This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. Extension Marketing acts as your virtual marketing department, designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies to grow your business. Email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com to book your free one-hour marketing consultation to grow your business. Now here's your host, Pat Whalen. On this episode of our podcast, I speak with the founder of Freeform Fitness. He shares his story of how one of his mentors encouraged him into starting his own business and how years later his new business is mentoring startup entrepreneurs. I hope you enjoy the show. Thanks for uh, coming to, on the show, John. We appreciate it. Thank you. For those uh, listeners that may not know of you, then maybe just tell us a bit about yourself. Well, I started out as a personal trainer. Um, I was going through school in college to be a police officer, actually. Wow. And um, I noticed that the job I was doing was something that was fulfilling to me, and I loved it. I had just never seen it as a real career option at that time. Now there's a ton of personal trainers, and mm-hmm. they see it as a career. But um, I didn't see it at that point until I met a mentor that uh, really helped me, you know, raise my standard and uh, helped me jump into business kind of. I, and then I opened up a fitness club, which, um, you know, like any business, came upon different obstacles and forced me to look within myself and within what my business was and to position myself, you know, to start tweaking um, my model. Uh, and it became a personal training studio, mm-hmm. though it was built like a big fitness club. Was it, was it inside an existing fitness club or was it yeah, its own so, entity? Yeah, so it was its, it, I had started the fitness club. It had cost me $250,000 wow. um, to open it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of money, especially at, uh, I was 24. Mm. And it wasn't my money, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you had a lot of pressure on you then, for sure. I had yeah. a ton of pressure. Yeah. 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 Um, so I opened, uh, yeah, Freeform Fitness, that's what it's called. And um, then I grew into a second location. I opened one in the market location this time. I went smaller, um, focused on what we were, which was personal training experts. Mm -hmm. And then I had another obstacle where a competitor competing personal trainer, um, Tony Greco, right, which is a big name here in Ottawa. um, He came and opened right next door to me. So again, I had to search within myself and say, what do I do differently? What do I do best? And, and then um, just kind of tweaking the brand as it went on, noticing more and more of who we were really were and what value we were providing to customers compared to everyone in the marketplace. And then we opened a third and then a fourth. And then I started licensing that business um, to start opening in Toronto. And that was gathering attention. Um, and at the same time, I was sort of getting bored. It had been 10 years at that point. Okay. And I'm more of a creative type. I like startup phase. I like the unexpected. I like the risk. Um, not the typical person. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I enjoy finding it makes life exciting. And uh, so I was getting at that point where things were becoming very operational very corporate um, yeah. documents, you know, documents became yeah. very important. And then systems and procedures systems, and all that good yeah. stuff, right? So as we were um, going into Toronto, I had two buyers approach me at the same time, one out of New York City, one out of New York and one out of, um, that was a current customer of ours. Wow. So 
yeah so it just ended up being uh it's like the stars aligned yeah. and it was time for me to let go of my piece of art <laughs> and was it that, hard was it hard to do that uh no it wasn't hard i just okay. uh, yeah i was like okay this is ready to go somebody else can take it because it yeah. the reality was that it needed at that point a lot of money to scale and um i didn't have that money like right. i every time you open a, a, a location you're looking at two hundred thousand dollars so wow. in terms of scaling like you need some pretty deep pockets if you want to grow this to hundreds of locations yeah. so i I knew the option was for me to either go get investors, which I had no investors. We had started, we had reinvested profits in the company. And um, so I was like, okay, do we go see investors? That means they own a piece of it. That means it's a different kind of like, you have different people making decisions here. And I just didn't feel like playing that game. Yeah. And uh, I had seen many clients, having been a trainer, helping business clients, mostly my whole career. I had had a lot of, um, I was very fortunate, you know, to meet people that can, you know, I'm looking at their situation all the time. I'm looking at CEOs that, you know, uh, got funded by VCs. I'm getting, uh, you know, the mom and pop shop guy that just started growing. I'm getting the billionaire that's grown this thing into wow. an empire of thousands of employees, you know. So I was, I'm like so grateful and so lucky that I had that exposure like who gets that exposure so when so when you're training these individuals are you uh, subconsciously or consciously picking their brain a little bit oh i yeah like i am i was like a master how did i guess that i just met you five minutes ago but i think i figured that one out <laughs> no like i um it was clear that this was like a but you know what i didn't do it in 10 like i was just always a very curious person yeah. right and yeah. i'm uh I love business books. I'm a readaholic. So it was natural that that as soon as I'm talking to someone like that, I want to know how did they get there? Right. You know, right. how did they, you know, I want to know everything. And uh, that turns out to be like a really good skill for an entrepreneur, you know, like that curiosity and mm -hmm. that like wanting to learn because I met people that otherwise I would never have access to um, out of just being curious and wanting to know about them. Yeah. Like one uh, billionaire in particular, um, I became a VIP personal trainer for uh, the Chateau Laurier and the Westin Hotel mm -hmm. downtown. So if they had a VIP come to town, they would call me and then I would go and I would go to the hotel and train them. Huh. Now for me, like what an opportunity, right? right? And um, but I went there and I started training this one guy. And he was very reserved, right? He probably gets people like trying to dig at him all the time. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but it's funny when you're exercising with somebody, you know, once you get them tired, they want a break. And <laughs> Plus their guard's down, right? I mean, they're sitting they're, there, they're all sweaty. They're, yeah, yeah, you know, their guard's down. They're yeah, completely... Yeah, yeah uh, I can totally see that. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I could, I could tell it's like at first I would start training him and then he's just like, you know, doesn't really want to talk. I feel he's kind of reserved. And then after like a little circuit training, you know, he's yeah. like, okay, like, I, okay, I'll answer any question. You know? <laughs> the blood starts flowing yeah. to the brain. And but I connected so well with that person that eventually he ended up calling the gym I was working at. His secretary um, was calling and she said, um, she said, you know, he would like you to, he'd like to come and train at your gym. Hmm. Um, and then the Weston Hotel ended up calling me and saying, did you discuss money with this guy? I said, no. She goes, because he wants to come train with you. He doesn't want to come to the hotel to train. And she saw that like as as if I was undercutting. Right. And <clears> a like, threat. Yeah. And I, yeah, was, yeah. I was like, 
I would never jeopardize this, you know, like I would never talk mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a huge misunderstanding. And um, so I ended up, that was it. That was the last person I trained. <laughs> wow. But um, he turned out to be such a great mentor. So, so you mentioned mentor earlier on in the interview. Was he, was he the mentor? No, he wasn't. Okay. No. Yeah. So have you had more than one mentor throughout your career? Yeah. So um, my biggest mentor, I'd say, was this guy named Claude. And Claude was uh, a home builder, hmm. multimillionaire, um, French-Canadian. And I had been training people, you know, business people. But this guy was different. He had an, like something about him that really wanted to help me, you know. And he saw, I guess, my integrity as if I say something, I'll do it. And I was putting so much attention to helping him uh, become healthy. And so he had lost a lot of weight. And then one day he asked me, he's like, Luke, what's your dream? And wow. I had never really thought about it at that point. You know, I had kind of money goals, but I never had like, you know, what's a dream? That yeah. word dream is yeah. pretty powerful. And uh, I said, I guess one day I'd like to open my own gym. And he said, uh, he said, okay, give me a deadline. Wow, you beat to the fire right yeah, away. Yeah, right nice. away. Yeah. And I said, I, I'm i like, I don't want to give you a deadline. Like, <laughs> of course you didn't. You know, yeah, I, yeah of course. And and uh, so he, he, for, he was like, he was just pushy, right? He was not letting me go without a deadline. And I said, let me just think about it. I'll go home. I'll talk to my girlfriend. I was living in my um, my girlfriend's mom's basement, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I went back, I talked to my girlfriend. I said, uh, what do you think about me opening a gym? Us opening a gym, you know? And she said, uh, she was like, yeah, totally. Like, you should do it. So I went back to the gym. Um, he came in, you know, another time in the week to train with me. And I was kind of just hoping he wasn't going to bring it up. But sure enough, right away, you know, what's the deadline? What's the date? So I said, oh, in a year from now. And he uh, he looked at me, he's like, you can do it in six months. So like, if you can do it in a year, you can do it in six months. Wow. And uh, that was, that power of a deadline is so powerful, right? Because like here I was, I had no, I didn't even have that ambition, you know, to open that gym. He just within a couple of days sparked that idea in me. And then he says six months, you know, not a year. And I was open three months later. Wow. Right. So, um, so I ended up figuring it out, finding the money, uh, you know, and I didn't know anything about business. Really. I had read probably a handful of business books yeah. at that point. So, so what's the, le is, are there two lessons that I see there for someone that's listening to the show that may be thinking of, of becoming an entrepreneur is one to, to find a mentor. Is that kind of the first strategy that you would recommend? I, I think so. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I'd be on this podcast if it wasn't for him. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, because, uh, yeah, there, we have such a lack of confidence, like kind of, uh, this mist in the air, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, um, that you don't quite believe that it's possible. And that's how I felt. I didn't think I was worthy of it. You know, yeah. until somebody from the outside was able to say, like, you can do this, you know, yeah. you can do this. And, um, yeah, so I had, you know, different lessons with that mentor and um, he passed away. But um, actually, my company, Miyagi, is based on him. 
Oh, 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 that's the connection to Miyagi. Okay. That is, he is Miyagi. Oh, he is Miyagi. Oh, yeah. wow. Very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> do you want me, before we jump in, because I do want to find out yeah. all about Miyagi yeah. and, and what it is, but uh, just the, I just want to go back to this mentorship uh, idea. Uh, I speak every year to the graduating business program at Algonquin College, and I tell them all the same thing. If you do nothing else, go find yourself a mentor. And you can see them, I and they're young people, right? And you can see their yeah. their their, their shoulders kind of like you can see the insecurity amongst the group. Yeah. But what I try to express to them is people like you and me that will happily be a mentor for someone that's you know genuinely interested in learning about business. But there's that hesitation amongst young people anyway to go seek someone out who maybe is a little bit older to try to get that advice. Would you? Would you agree with that? Oh, that yeah. That and, and I think what you just, you, you said a key thing there. You said someone who is genuinely interested because um, I get asked all the time, you know, and yeah. um, and the thing is I was an eager, you know, like you can't approach a mentor and be like, can you be my mentor? You know, it just, it kind of evolves by just seeking out the people that you're really interested in that you admire yeah right and yeah. and from a mentor standpoint he's not going to help somebody that's not going to take action right like and i think that's what claude saw in me he goes you know at that point i had been a world champion bodybuilder like seventh in the world in bodybuilding first in canada you know mm -hmm. obviously i had the grit the kind of persistence to achieve something you know yeah. and he knew that uh and and when he suggested things i listened you know and i tried it um but a mentor is not going to stand there and, and give you advice and then watch you just not try anything not do it you'll know he, he won't want to help you again Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I don't yeah. know if it's like that for you, but <laughs> very much so. Yeah, yeah. right. Because you, you're not gonna. No, if somebody's not gonna take your advice, you know, yeah. um, the the amount of money some of these lessons have taken, mm. just personally from, mm -hmm. you know, um, we were talking lessons right before the show, right? Yeah. Like some yeah, lessons yeah. we put on the line as entrepreneurs, uh, as business people, we put, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars on the line just to learn something, mm -hmm. and then. Um, you know, so we're going to we're going to make sure that the person we are helping is someone that is genuinely wanting to help yeah. <laughs> to help himself. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I always say, you know, time is the most valuable commodity and I'm quite willing to share it with people. No problem. But if I sense it's not being reciprocated or if they're not doing the action steps that you said uh, to make the relationship work, then odds are I'm going to eventually say okay, this is just not working. Yeah. So any advice to anyone listening is that if you are seeking a mentor and you enjoy working with them, make sure it, it you know you're doing what's being asked of you and and uh and providing that kind of two-way communication. And and I have to say I've had many mentors, right? Having been a trainer that trains all these business right. people. Um so to take from a bunch of them, you know, like not um it doesn't have to be just one person. It could be a, hmm. whoever you admire um, you know, I, I guess typically what you do is you admire the person's situation, right? I was a trainer admiring these business people coming in midday while everyone's at work right. and being able to pay me cash for, yeah. you know, like tons of money. Like right. it wasn't cheap, you yeah. know, and some of these are just, some people are just, some of these business people are just dropping thousands of dollars. Like, so I'm going, I want to do that too. <laughs> you know, I want to have this free time right. and the cash like that, you know? Um, and then some of them are lessons where you go like, okay, he's got this figured out, but he's also missing like this part of his life that I don't admire. 
right? So yeah. it's not like you admire everything from someone, but hmm. you can take bits and pieces from a whole bunch. I wonder if that's an issue. I wonder if people, uh, I don't want to say hero worship, but I find entrepreneurship right now has got a bit of a mystique about it, that it's the in thing with shows like Shark Tank and Dragon's Den. And, and I think sometimes it does a little bit of a disservice to the amount of work that's involved. And, and, and like you say, these these people aren't perfect. No, no one is. But yeah. And I, I think that's maybe a challenge for a mentee. They may look up to the person so much that they don't see the flaws. Yeah. yeah. Right. So well, interesting it, that you pulled from different sources. Yeah. To try to like that dra holistic. Like, like dragon's den. Like dragon is a symbol of greed. Right. I so if, know that. yeah. This episode of the Ottawa Entrepreneurs Podcast is brought to you by Extension Marketing. Extension Marketing acts as your virtual marketing department designing and implementing cost-effective marketing strategies to grow your business. Email them at workshop at extensionmarketing.com to procure free one-hour marketing consultation to grow your business. Right, so, oh, if, yeah, so dragon yeah. is the dragon. If you just look in mythical stories, you know, you'll have the dragon hoarding the gold and the girl in the cave, hmm. right? So the, the dragon is a sign of greed and den comes from cave. So, um, you know, wow. so it's, it's a greedy cave, you know, <laughs> yeah. so it's really painting, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really painting an image, uh, yeah. you know, of, of a lot of power there, yeah. you know, where yeah. I don't buy into that kind of, uh, mentality and, and someone certainly with that kind of mindset is not someone that I would reach, you know, that yeah. I'd be attracted to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of the mentors that I found are actually, you know, really nice, really kind, uh, Good. Um, so yeah, it's important mm -hmm. to find like even less on how much this person has achieved, but do they have the similar values that I have? You know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, I think that is probably the more important thing. But did that take you a certain amount of time to to kind of figure that out that that's the direction you wanted to go when you're looking for a mentor, or, did, or you, you knew that instinctively when you were a young guy? I think we all kind of know instinctively. You know, we're yeah. we're tra like humans are pretty. Uh, wired to look at deception, you know, mm. to see um, uh, who's trying to deceive you and who's doing this for the right reasons, right. you know. Right. So right. Um, I think we're kind of wired for that. Just some are probably better at detecting <laughs> it than others. <laughs> yeah. But um, to not get so, I guess the big thing is to not get so, um, so distracted by, let's say, the person's income level or something, mm. right? because he's made it so much. It doesn't mean, you know, it may be a good game, but it may be a game that you don't want to play. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you may not know until you're in it. Yeah. And then you realize it's too late. Yeah. So, so tell us about, is it Miyagi Enterprises? Is that correct? Or just, no, it's just, uh, it's MiyagiSchool.com. Okay. Yeah. Um, tell us a bit about that. Well, I, I ended up, uh, selling all my locations, uh, freeform. And then, in in those 10 years i had always like i said by the end i was getting bored so um i'm a natural creator you know so i always want to create i always feel good creating uh i always say that to people it's you know in, in sales they say always be closing yeah yeah ABC. i say always be abc i say always be creating nice <laughs> That's uh, great. Yeah, so I ended up selling everything. And then after that, I went on, I just wanted to see the world. I didn't really, I hadn't, uh, you know, I'd been in my business bubble for 10 years, really mm -hmm. felt like I was like in war a little bit, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, in the trenches kind yeah. of trying. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so I wanted to, um, to go see the world, especially on a creative side of things, you know, just to expand my mind. 
So my wife and I just traveled a whole bunch of places. We'd go and come back and go and come back, trying not so much to think about any kind of goal because I had been searching for a goal for so long. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I really wanted to do something that I felt um, I'd be completely fulfilled and never bored. And so I created this company. I was like, if I create an incubator, then I can help startups and I can have unlimited amount of startups, so I'll never get bored. Mm. And I'm doing the thing that has changed my life the most, which is being a mentor for somebody else. Oh, nice. So it comes full circle. Like now it's like bringing the elevator back down. I'm like, okay, now I have a whole bunch of people that don't believe in themselves. And I can, you know, it's just a matter of knowledge, really. If you believe in yourself, then you just need answers. Right. So, mm. um, so now it's taking those people and putting them into businesses and um, showing them the ropes, you know, yeah. and, and guiding them along the way, not giving them a map, you know, not saying like, this is exactly what you need to do, but kind of trying to um, pull that out of them and get them, uh, you know, to, to let them be entrepreneurs, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do, does your same rules apply that we talked about earlier, that if you're mentoring someone, you know, they've got to be willing to take action? Does that does that apply for this incubator as well? Or are you a bit more patient because it's, it's in the nature of the business? Yeah. Well, what we do ask of everyone is that they can commit two hours a day. So that's our biggest thing. And then um, obviously we can't help everyone. Mm. So we're trying to be selective with who we help. And um, so we, there's like an enrollment so people can enroll. And in that we look at, uh, we don't look at grades. We don't think grades have, has anything to do with, uh, with becoming a successful entrepreneur. Um, Based on my high school report card, <laughs> I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> I've trained so many business people. I know, you know, these are right. sub these are subjects we talk about, yeah. and very, you know, when it's uh, it's candid, you know, when you're training with somebody. But um, yeah, so it's it has nothing to do with schooling. It has everything to do with um, you know the desire to want to succeed and and uh, being able to commit two hours a day to having the right values that we have as a company. Um, you know, and yeah. So what, what types of people are you seeing coming through there? Like, is there a particular age that you're seeing a lot of or we're skill still, set or? Yeah, we're still in the innovation phase. Like we're still trying to, we're still tweaking that. Like we've yeah. set out what our values are. Um, we seem to be attracting just people that are, are sick of their job is what seems to be resonating the most right now. So would this um, be this people that have been in their jobs for like 10 plus years? Yeah, or, or just in general, you know, okay. just in yeah. general are sick of being employees and have been wanting to jump out on their own in a long time, but haven't really had the mm. courage to. And, um, and then we kind of, you know, ours is a very progressive way, you know, can you give us two hours a day? We can start a side business and see where it goes. So it's, it's attractive to those people. We've also had um, a lot of people come up to us with ideas. Yeah. Um, our first, we did a first kind of uh, pitch, I guess, um, where we had, I think, 15 people. We had 67 people apply. We had 15 people come to um, this thing, and then they pitched their ideas. But I just found that the ideas... Um, 
you know, there was better ideas out there. <laughs> so, so, so how do you deal with that? Someone, you know, has their heart and soul on this or sold on this idea and they come to you with it and it may not be, you know, instinctively that that's not a good idea. How do you it's not that? that it's not a good idea. I guess it's just that it's it's an idea that I'm not willing to risk. You know, like certain ideas. Like one of our rules is that this we we only start companies that are being purchased today. So if somebody comes and has this i you know this idea that's you know just an idea that's never been proven, uh, people aren't purchasing. I've I've done that lesson myself many times. <laughs> <laughs> you don't need to learn it again through somebody else, right? Right. right. So um, I've I've tried that, and that is it can work, but it's going to take like ten years or something. Right. You know, like right. um, there's that book. Uh, Steps to an epiphany. Do you know yeah, no, I don't. Okay. No, no. It kind of shows like three business models. One is hmm. a model that you want to, let's say I want to open a gym. I want to compete against good life. Well, that is just one business model where you know people are buying today. Right. They're buying gym memberships. It's proven. And then there's the second one is a niche, like a niche model, which my business ended up being, which is I'm taking a piece from that, mm -hmm. from an existing big business. And then the third one is a business that you've invented that is completely new. And, and those typically have like a different, uh, different time frame of how the market will react to it. The first one being very progressive that you would, you know, if it's a gym and I open a gym, memberships are going to come in. It's going to be slow. It's going to be, you know, a, a, a nice kind of progression as it goes to the top for three to five years, um, usually three years. And then the niche business kind of takes a long time to take off, but then it kind of has like a hockey stick curve in the, in the five year range. And then the invention of a business completely, you know, new concept takes like 10 years, you know, it's almost flat line till 10 years, something mm -hmm. like Amazon would have done, right? right Where right. They, they basically built the infrastructure for 10 years never focused on profit or anything you know that kind of business well i don't have that 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 pay that much patience <laughs> first of all <laughs> and i don't have that kind of money you know like that to support it's, a big a good, business good one two years. punch <laughs> yeah and and you know i i haven't done the um the big investor row but i'm not interested in that i want to take like i want to take the person Very that was me yeah. I want to take the person that was me and give them the result that I have, right? So now I have freedom to do whatever the hell I want, which is, you know, if I was to go back in time and look at, you know, I would have never thought that's possible. Mm -hmm. And especially comparing myself to others, you know, where I thought I was, I wasn't very smart. You know, I went to school thinking, geez, like I'm working so hard and I'm still having trouble with stuff that really doesn't interest me, <laughs> you know, because you, you school, and me both. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so school to me was, you know, if you gave me a subject that I was interested in, oh my God, I would devour it. I'd remember everything about it. But when it came to things that were thrown on me that I wasn't interested in, I just, I, it was such a, it was so hard to remember that stuff. Yet I would see like my friends that are all of a sudden like, you know, they're brilliant accountants today, you know, like <laughs> they are, right. um, you know, they were good at following the rules. They're great at tests, amazing memorization, you right. know, right. Um, but you know, uh, if I look at myself now, would I want to be an accountant sitting? No, no, thanks. <laughs> that was a quick no. A very, I'm a very different person than that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Not that it's bad. It's just different. So you've essentially, correct me, you have found a way to create 
to have this creative outlet through the business. You're also giving back and you're also, I assume, involved from a long-term investment perspective. You kind of you yeah. hit on, a, on an interesting trifecta here of things that yeah you know, that's i that's why that's, I, I feel like i'm unstoppable right now <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so how, how long how long has miyagi been around um so it's been it's been um probably i don't know three months now that we've kind of like really started uh, okay. i've hired a coo yeah um and to take care of the operations uh, side of things um, it's, you know, we've had companies, it was just not officially in the Miyagi incubator. Like we have right. things to do events.com, which is uh, one that's been going on for over a year. Hmm. Um, and, th and that's doing really well. And, uh, so we've had, you know, all these businesses kind of started just not officially under the Miyagi umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so now, uh, we just, we're just starting to, to market it. Hmm. A little bit just to we're, we're still in the testing phase but um, in the next two weeks we we're gonna have a another presentation and I know I have already 15 people registered so nice. um, yeah so I want to basically take these people and explain that as possible and and the way I partner with them is very simple it's like the most fairest way I could think about in terms of partnership um, which do you ever slicing pie? Do you know that? No. Okay. So no. The, um, you guys have to, if you want to partner with people, because partnerships are very scary, right? And they, they can be. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you know, there's that old saying: "There's two chairs in heaven, waiting for two partners that are still partners." You know, at the end yeah, of yeah, the yeah. days. No, <laughs> it's, and, and it's true. And yeah. I, you know, to some degree, I've been through that. And uh, and and. As an entrepreneur, a beginning entrepreneur, um, you're going to be told that all the time. Don't partner, you know. Don't mm -hmm. partner with anyone. <laughs> right. Like yeah. it's a scary thing, and and it can be, and it can be. But the, um, I was in search of a model. I I had one partnership that cost me a lot of money, and but I didn't want to give up. Where I talked to a lot of business people, and they just kind of give up at that point with partnerships. They're like, nope, I'm just not doing it. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. <clears throat> when I was in my mid-20s, I had a, a partnership that did not work out. And it was like, you know, from that moment on until recently, I owned another business with a, with a partner. But yeah, yeah, very, very skeptical. Yeah, because it's very sure. hard. You get burnt once and you go, okay, that's it. Yeah. So yeah. so I got burnt a few times. But then I um, I was really in search of a, of a model because to me, um, like I... I I re I'm a big believer in cooperation, you know, cooperating together and, and being able to, um, especially with the internet now, the internet is yeah. a web of connections, right? Hmm. So um, the internet is wired to cooperate together as a whole. So I, I knew I had to kind of shake that off and figure out how to do it properly. And I came upon this book called Slicing Pie. And I read the book and instantly I was like, oh my God, this is what I've been waiting oh. for, and uh, which became the glue for Miyagi in terms of partnerships. And it's to explain it simply, I'm going to try to explain it okay. because I've been wanting to try to explain it <laughs> to simplify it. <laughs> okay. But basically, everyone, ex so if somebody doesn't have money and they want to jump into partnerships, so typically, let's go to Dragon's Den, like we were talking. They would have an idea. They go in front of a person, uh, in front of these dragons, and then they 
take all your money. <laughs> they, they put all the money, they take all the shares of the company, right. and then they say, okay, you're going to work for now 40%, and they have 60%, and now they're in this grind of, of uh, trying to make it work. And then they feel like, you know, after a year, and, I, and I'm not just making this up. I've had um, one person just a couple of weeks ago talk to me, and he's, he's been one of the guys on the Dragon's Den. Hmm. And he was telling me that they weren't doing any work. And whether that's true or not, I'm just, this is what typically happens. One of them has a false expectation of the other partner. And they think that, wow, this person's going to put in all this work or all this time or all this money. And what happens is they get deceived and then they feel like, wow, this isn't a fair partnership anymore because I'm putting in all the work and he's not doing anything. And um, and this was my experience and this is what I've been hearing with other people that are partners. It's just there's a false expectation. So with the slicing pie model, it's you basically exchange your time for money. So you... Uh, for shares. So you you go in and let's say somebody starts um, a business and puts in four hours of work. They log their time as I put in four hours. And then let's say I want to put in time. I put in four hours. Now I put in four hours. And now each partner has 50-50. Hmm. And now the contributions are based, uh, the, the shares are then based on the contributions of the of what's being put in the business. Now so, that, sorry to interrupt, but is this is this different than sweat equity? It's sweat, yeah. It's a sweat equity okay, model, but, but it's a model of it. It's a ah, model. It sounds like a sweat. pretty precise model, as it's opposed a pre to yes. Yeah, I mean, it's very. Uh, I'm going to do X amount of hours, and whether or not that happens, it sounds like it's it's more systematized. Yeah, it's yeah, a it's very, a very it's cool. a partnering system, and hmm. uh, what it's done is it's allowed. If, you know, I, I, we were four siblings. It's made things fair. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know if I have this fairness thing about me, but I always wanted to be fair and I don't want to feel like the other person is being uh, taken advantage of. And with this model, anytime I put in or if I put in money, um, you know, it's, it's in there and it's transparent. They see it. And um, the, the first question people ask is, well, what if they're creating stuff that isn't providing value for the company? If they go off for a week and start writing articles about something and then I'm like, that didn't contribute at all. Right. Um, then, right. So that would make sense. But the thing is, it has to be combined with regular meetings of setting expectations. Hmm. So that's kind of a thing I've added in Miyagi. That's not part of the book. But if you combine that fair model with regular meetings of creating the expectations for the upcoming week, then you never run into problems. Right. Because everyone agrees. Yes, this is valuable work, guys. Yes. Okay, let's do it. Boom. Next week we talk again. So I've been using this model. In fact, I, I use this model for Freeform Academy, which is a certification course that I created. And I had done this um, a couple of years ago and I ended up selling it. But I had a partner, and we used this model, and it was great. We never had one argument. So fascinating. So yeah. So to me, it's a real gem out there that yeah. no one is, um, no one really knows about. So is the Miyagi, uh, and we're almost out of time here, but yeah. just is the Miyagi this idea? Is it based on a model you saw somewhere else? No, it's uh, just, I I totally created it myself. Wow. <laughs> What what are the long term what are the, like what's the big picture long term plans for? The long term plan is that um, my purpose is to create a hundred millionaires. So Very cool. That's what it, I. That's my. That's my. That's my purpose. It's written right there for everyone to see that joins Miyagi. Um, so what does that look like? It probably looks like you know um, 
over a hundred businesses under the Miyagi umbrella, um, all striving for success. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Or it's less businesses with more people in those businesses, right. but it's right. one of the two. Do you see it? Uh, do, do you see the business potentially shifting or shaping as you go along? The reason why I ask is that uh, regular listeners of this podcast know I'm always asking this question, and the response typically is, "Well, I started this business going this direction, and I thought for sure I was headed down that path, and then something came at me that made me realize, oh, there's this opportunity over here. Is this have that same sort of potential? Do you think?" Yeah, for sure. I think like right now we're in the innovation stage, just really seeing what kind of people are joining. Um, I think adaptability is the number one six, like key component to a good entrepreneur, right? To be able to mm. adapt and like even Charles Darwin said, like that is the human thing too, right? right. To be right. able to adapt. That's right. what's made us right. be here today right. is that we're able to adapt. Right. But uh, in terms of entrepreneurship and creating an idea, that ev idea evolves in the same way as long as you're adaptable to the you know external influences yeah. so for me um to be uh, it's 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 actively adapting actively listening fig watching making sure and then moving in the right direction based on that actively right yeah i like that probably yeah. a good place for us to wrap up um <laughs> where can where can uh, listeners uh, find out more about you um, my name, which is a long one, jeanlucboissonneau.com is where I write a daily blog every day. I've been okay. doing it for over two years now. Or they can join, uh, they can go and check out miyagischool.com and see if it's for them. Great. Thanks very much for your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks.